shelter from the storm. Welcome to the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily walk through the Bible with me, Pastor Jason Poling, as we seek shelter in Jesus Christ from the storms of this life. It's a great day to glorify God. This is Pastor Jason Poling coming to you from the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily brief, no frills dive into God's Word where we just want to understand His truth to set us free and ultimately the truth that is Jesus Christ. He is our shelter, our foundation. He's the rock upon which we can stand. And so we are in Mark chapter 7. We are in today, verse 17 and following. Yesterday we and the day before we talked about the uh, conflict that Jesus had with the Pharisees. They were so fixated on rote religion, tradition, legalism. They were uh, accruing all kinds of additional man-made regulations and laws, uh, somewhat based off the law of Moses given by God, but just went way off in left field and really began to be a very hypocritical system um, and an abusive system to other people. And so we talked about that the last couple podcasts. And at the end of Jesus' critique of the Pharisees, because they are critiquing his disciples and saying they don't wash their hands. They don't do all the ceremonial regulations, washing the pots and pans before they eat of, of any food. They're not doing the kosher thing. And Jesus critiques them and calls them, again, he calls them hypocrites and making up these man-made laws. And so then Jesus concludes that and he says, there's nothing outside the man which going into him can defile him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defiled the man. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear, which is something Jesus always said, sort of a a, a proverbial wisdom type sage kind of statement um, saying, hey, I'm speaking something very deep and very true. You cannot hear it unless you truly have humble ears uh, to receive it. And so he's uh, calling out to everyone to receive it. Most people can't. The Pharisees definitely couldn't receive it. Verse 17, and when leaving the multitude, he had entered the house his disciples question him about the parable. So they actually want to receive it. They start to have ears that seek to hear God's truth. Verse 18, he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? So Jesus is always kind of a little, he's a little biting sometimes, uh, you know, with the, with the disciples. They just, they're so slow to grasp uh, who Jesus is, even after all the miracles. We just saw him walk on water and still the storms and, and heal the dead and cast out demons and teach with authority. And so they're still struggling to fully grasp what Jesus is all about and what he teaches. But again, he's gracious because he always continues to teach them. And so we have to be encouraged by that. Um, Our lack of faith, it is, um, I'm sure, frustrating at some level to God. But he's also very gracious and he's willing to keep helping us take a next step toward him in faith. He's, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Jesus explains, kind of kind of graphic, but because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean, which is a major statement, because there were so many regulations, dietary restrictions in the Old Testament that, of course, the Pharisees kept and beyond that, kept their own laws uh, to, to, uh, to keep uh, those regulations. And Jesus, in this moment, uh, Mark's giving a sort of parenthetical statement that this is sort of the beginning of the end for the dietary restrictions of the Old Covenant, the Old Law of Moses. And of course we see in Acts where, um, I believe it's Acts chapter 10, I can't remember when, uh, Peter sees the sheet come down from heaven in a vision and all these different animals that are unclean. 
and and he hears a voice from God saying, uh, "Rise up, kill and eat these things." And Peter just can't believe it because he's never eaten these unclean things as a Jew, but uh, God has uh, revealed that all these things are now clean. So there's a lot going on there, of course, and there there really were dietary restrictions in the Old Testament. Some have argued that those are just for cleanliness sake because the people didn't understand the nature of disease and uh, germ theory, and so that's what God's doing. That could be um, uh, what he's doing, but we know Paul says the Old Testament law was like a schoolmaster. It's trying to teach these um, almost like kids, kids that are immature, that they don't quite see things correctly. And obviously they couldn't because they did not have the fullness of the Spirit of God yet. That wouldn't come until after Jesus Christ dies is buried, resurrects, and then ascends into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon uh, his people. They become the new temple. So in the Old Testament, that didn't happen. The Spirit would fall on people in different ways uh, for seasons to give them uh, supernatural abilities. But um, people did not possess the Spirit in fullness. And so they didn't, um, uh, they weren't as mature. And so they, they needed some guidance. And Paul says in Galatians that the, the law was like a schoolmaster to uh, prepare to kind of keep them in check to prepare them for the day when when the people of God would become mature and would not need the law anymore because the law would be written Jeremiah 31 the law would be written on the hearts of God's people and we won't need people to teach us not to do things we will from the heart desire to obey God and we'll know we'll have the conviction of the Holy Spirit we'll know when things that we do are wrong so in the Old Testament I think the dietary restrictions were in large part uh, a way to um, give an example or uh, help people see what obedience looked like. I don't think personally that there was anything wrong with eating uh, pork uh, in and of itself. I mean, all things that God create, creates are good. All things are pure to the to the pure. Um, and you know, of course, you can get trichinosis and all. So obviously, there's some germ theory going on there. But I don't think that or parasitic theory. I don't think that's it. I think that it's just a schoolmaster uh, helping them see that when God says something, we just obey it. And when we don't obey it, we get disciplined. And it's preparing us for a the obedience of faith that Paul says in Romans 1. That's the whole reason that the gospel is preached. Not so that we just get saved, but so that we begin to obey from the heart whatever God tells us. No matter, no matter what the command. Um, it might be something that you're like, I don't, I don't want to obey that, Lord. Uh, and there's plenty of commands like that that we see even in the New Testament where we're not really interested in obeying it. But because Christ loved us and died for us, rose for us and gave us the Holy Spirit who now dwells in us and owns us, we're owned, we were bought with a price, we desire to obey him no matter what the command. So I think that's what's going on in the Old Testament. But at this point, Jesus is basically saying, it's about the heart, guys. It's not about um, these external regulations because these things don't really matter. Uh, it, it, you know, Eating pork doesn't... It doesn't do anything to you at a deep, important spiritual level, the most important level of all. And so he says, I am basically declaring all foods are clean. Uh, that's not, that wasn't the point of the Old Testament laws. The point was to teach us something about our heart of obedience and faith before God. And then verse 20, he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. So then he goes into explanation, which is a, a, a deeper understanding that the Old Testament couldn't understand. And some of the prophets began to understand it, like Ezekiel in chapter 36, you see that, this new heart that we're given, the old heart of stone. 
is removed and replaced by a heart of flesh that beats for the living God and wants to do what he calls us to do. And so he says, what defiles you is not external stuff, it's internal stuff. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the men, or defile the man. So, um, the issue of the heart. The heart is the target of God. That is the main point of it all. He wants us to worship him in spirit and truth, to worship him not with our lips, but with our hearts, as we saw in the earlier part of this chapter, chapter 7. So what happens is, is we have a decision to make every day, every moment of our lives, and that is to either put Jesus Christ at the center of our hearts, to make him the sole focus of our worship, or put something else. And we typically struggle to put, we, we often fall, tempta- fall prey to temptation to put something else on the throne of our hearts. And a lot of times we don't, we don't, uh, we don't see it coming because we usually, they're often good things that sort of creep up into the seat of the throne of our hearts. Things that are good things to desire. So let's take the example of sexual immorality. Uh, in this list of, of sins and evils that come out of the heart of man that Jesus lists. And by the way, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just some of the many things that we as humans can engage in. Sexual immorality, it starts out with a good desire, a good desire for intimacy with another human being, to be close, to draw near, and to share at a deep level uh, souls, the commingling of souls. It's a, it's a good desire. But if if you put that desire in the place of, where Christ is supposed to be, at the center of your heart, and you begin to long for it and to worship it, the desire for sexual sexual intimacy, desire for it more than you desire Jesus Christ, guess what? That sexual, that sexual desire becomes a God, a little G-God. And uh, even though it starts out as a good thing, uh, one person has quoted, uh, I love this quote, a good thing, when it becomes a God thing, becomes quickly a very, very bad thing. And so then that, sex, that sexual desire begins to dominate your thinking, dominate your, all your desires. It becomes the sole focus of your existence. You want it so bad. And that will, if you have that as your God, it will lead you into pursuing it with reckless abandon into actual physical sin, not just internal worship, um, you know, heart-level sin. And so that's where it all starts from. All these actions that are behavioral, right? Uh, fornications, thefts, murders, they all come from the heart that has begun to worship something other than Jesus Christ. And so the traditions of man, the legal regulations, again, in context of chapter 7 with these Pharisees, those can't stop those kinds of heart issues. Because what you'll do is if you're struggling uh, with sin, you might try to cover it up with some kind of uh, r- ritualistic regulation and think that you can suppress it somehow, uh, or even begin to blame it on something external, right? The reason I'm doing this is because this person did that, or this circumstance happened, or whatever. And it just doesn't work. Whenever you focus on the externals, on blaming someone else or some circumstance, or creating a religious system or regulation to try to keep you from having these heart desires, it never, never, never works. It leads to greater uh, problems, because it's like an illness, a disease that you have that you've left 
truly undiagnosed. You don't know how to treat it. So Jesus is basically being the good physician, and he's saying the issue is the heart. He's diagnosing for us what the main problem is, and the solution, therefore, is not external regulations and traditions. The solution is repentance and faith in the Son of God who died for you, who covers your sin, internal and external, and frees you from it, from its tyranny frees you to worship him alone, to give great, uh, great to bring grateful hearts, uh, worshiping in spirit and truth, this Jesus who loves you and died for you and rose again for you, promising you all the inheritances of heaven and eternal life. That causes your heart, or should, to just be filled with praise for him. And then you put him back on the center of your heart, the throne of your heart where he belongs. And then everything begins to mature and go into... Uh, a healthy mode of living, right? You that when you worship Jesus Christ alone, it, it pushes out all the other desires that you long for, and those don't become dominant little g gods in your life that lead you into sin. Jesus is your focus, and He will lead you into righteousness. And so that's the only way you can become holy is by worshiping Jesus alone, not through regulations, uh, external rules. So anyway, that's uh, I love Jesus' teaching there on the heart. It's so important to think about. Dwell on that. Figure out, maybe look at your own life and say, where am I struggling with sin? Where do I see a lot of physical manifestations of sin pouring out of me? And then you'll probably be able to be able to trace it back to something in your heart desires that is worshiping something that probably was good at one point, that you want so bad, and you are now willing to sin to get it. Or sin... If you don't get it, right? We throw a temper tantrum like, a, like we do, uh, almost like little children. We, we get upset when we don't get the thing we most want. And so you've got to put Jesus back on the throne and most want him. And you'll never be destabilized because nothing, no one can take Jesus away from you. Everything else that you might want outside of Jesus can be taken from you, but Jesus can't. And that's what makes a Christian strong in the Lord, and able to resist sin. I love you guys. God bless you. Look forward to hearing your comments too. Jason at cornerstoneyc.com. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on this all-important subject of sanctification in the Christian life. Thanks for taking a few minutes today to dive into the Word of God with me. I always love hearing your feedback and questions. So you can email me at jason at cornerstoneyc.com. Looking forward to continue in the Word of God with you as we seek shelter from the storm in Jesus Christ.